Welcome to season five of Group Thinkers. I'm your host, Justin McCord, and uh, Group Thinkers is the podcast created by RKD Group, four nonprofit marketers and fundraisers. On each and every episode, we visit with an innovator, someone who is helping uncover and drive change in the nonprofit marketing landscape. My guest on this episode is Kathy Folks. Kathy is the Chief Data Officer for Arcady Group, and she's spent nearly four decades working with nonprofits' data, including you know, the systems, the tools, the processes, uh, the practices around data. Uh, you know, I've known Kathy for about 10 years, and, and I can say that from my perspective, there's no one in the nonprofit marketing space more well-versed in the complex area of nonprofit data practices than Kathy Folks. And, and so while while I get the uh, the chance, the privilege to get to work with her fairly regularly, um, I wanted to invite her onto the podcast and on this episode to talk specifically about the state of nonprofit data risk, especially in light of recent developments in the Blackbot ransomware attack. Now, uh, this episode is not about Blackbot. Although that's the context in which the conversation launches. This episode is about uh, risk mitigation. It's about data management. It's about data best practices and, and what nonprofits must do and prioritize to be on the right side of managing risk. So before we jump in, uh, if you're interested in checking out more of Kathy's thoughts, she has a handful of blogs that have been posted on RKD Group. Uh, and so you can find those at rkdgroup.com and, uh, and and there's plenty of stuff, eBooks, etc. So you can do a, a search for her and find a lot of that stuff. So uh, for now, let's get into the episode with Kathy Folks on Group Thinkers. All right. So, Kathy Folks, my good friend Kathy. Hi, how are you today? Happy Monday. Good. Happy Monday. Uh, it is, it's always fun to talk to you. Um, I was thinking about just in, in prep for this, uh, we've worked together now in some form or fashion for almost a decade, which is interesting to think about. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and been around each other in, like I said, different capacities on the same team. Uh, working in companies that kind of work together, seeing each other at conferences for a period, and now back together uh, as a part of the team with your role as uh, the chief data officer for RKD Group. Um, and I wanted to have a conversation with you around the last couple of months and this elevated awareness of data security specifically on the heels of the incident with BlackBot, but more so about just the ideas of data security and data risk. Um, but before we get down the road on that, would love it if you would take just a moment and uh, and talk about your journey and what that path looked like to lead you into the world of, of nonprofit marketing and fundraising. Uh, sure. Um, so... Um I finished college um, working in social responsibility. So it was something I had a passion for, thinking I'd go to work for some big company working in social responsibility. And just about the time I was finishing school, um, we ended up in a depression. Uh, you know, the, the economy fell through and nobody cared about social responsibility at all. It was, can we pay our staff? 
Um, about the same time, I met a woman who was doing a lot of work in politics who was looking for some help managing data for political campaigns. So I, I started out doing um, quite a bit of work for some uh, senators and congressmen, as well as some nonprofits with her um, working around databases um, in, in the early 80s. Um, and a lot of what we were doing was trying to replicate the work that was done on mainframes in PCs, which were fairly new. Um, so, you know, working with giant floppy disks and printers that were as big as my desk um, that cost five times as much as my computer now to, to do work around nonprofits and political campaigns, um, basically just moving off of the mainframe and into an environment that was a lot more affordable for people. Um, it was a crazy time, very different from now, for sure. <laughs> And in some ways, probably similar <laughs> to now, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're still looking at a lot of the same data. We're, we're trying to do the same things. But boy, we can do a lot more with the data and, and so much faster. And if I think about how long it took to do things back then or even in the 90s, you know, we, we just completely surpassed everything by far. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, in the last, you know, in the last two years, maybe a year and a half or two years, you and I have uh, we presented together on the role of data strategy and data strategy being the hero that that organization should look to, like that should be the priority in terms of your strategic planning is forming a culture around data strategy. And as we move into talking about uh, risks around data management, it, I would love for you to spend just a moment talking about why data strategy is uh, needs to be the hero and why that's more important now than ever. Um, sure. I, and I think it is even more important now. Um, things move so quickly. We need to be able to react to them. Um, in a, in, in a, and when we talk about data as a hero, I consider data as a hero, you know, a, a trusted data that I would say it's uh, delivered at the right time, right? So I have it when I need it and I trust it, which is really hard for a lot of nonprofits these days. So, you know, getting a report or analyzing data and saying, oh, I believe this and I can use it and I can go act on it is, is hard. But it's also the powerhouse of really being able to make the right decisions and the right decisions quickly. So, you know, that hero can really be a hero if I can get my data into a place where I have it, you know, as soon as I need it and I, and I believe what it says. And that's the hard part, I think, right now is, is getting it when you need it and, and having it in a place and in a format that's trusted and reliable. Yep. Yeah, trusted and reliable yep. and, and being able to leverage it as, as quickly as possible, which I think is a, a nice segue into uh, the real reason why we're here, which is to talk about data security. So I want to rewind to, I believe it was July 16th, uh, hundreds of nonprofits across the globe received this, this notice of a ransomware attack on BlackBot. Um, wh what exactly do we know about what happened uh, on or around July 16th? Yeah, so we know that for six to eight weeks, maybe even longer before that, that someone had been working their way inside of BlackBot's environment. And they've been doing it very slowly and very methodically. Um, and we're basically able to get all the way inside of the place where they, they store clients' data that they work on, not the clients' data itself, but data that they pass on to BlackBot to do operational work, um, to the point where they basically were able to... Um, 
keep anybody else from using that data. So it took a long time and it was it was a very professionally and very well managed process to get in there. Um, on, on July 17th, Blackbaud um, let everybody else know that what had happened to the data that, you know, they had actually been held for ransom and that they had paid that ransom for the attack. So in order to make sure that their clients were still able to do business, they actually paid, paid the ransom, which you know, could have caused other problems, but it's there's pros and cons on both sides. Um, and they let the clients know that this had happened. And in in um, in the ransomware attack, they had also obtained quite a bit of data, and included things like uh, donor information, student information. Um, in some cases, it included uh, driver's license numbers, uh, educational, academic information, and employment information. So while it wasn't considered you know, social security numbers or, or PII, it was still pretty valuable information that they were able to obtain. Um, at that point, Blackbaud um, has assured their clients that they received a, a proof of or certificate of destruction that the data has been destroyed, but they've also hired somebody to watch the dark web for eternity, basically, because we all know that sometimes things sit on a shelf for a long time and they may not appear for a long time after a hack occurs. Um, and so they, they also have someone in place that's going to watch in case anything ever does occur where the data uh, seeps back out again. Yeah. Uh, in, incredibly unfortunate. Um, yeah. and, and you and I were talking about, you know, at the beginning of this that, you know, it's not like in, you know, July 16th, 17th or the six to eight weeks prior that that was the first time that something like this has happened. Right. right. This has been an ongoing risk and topic of conversation. It's just that there's a spotlight on this because of the the size of it and the notoriety uh, of Blackbot, obviously, as the the person who fell victim to, to such a, a ransomware attack. And, and, you know, in some ways, it gives me thoughts and feelings of thinking back on Target's data breach, you know, some 10, 15 years ago that that brought um, it shed a light on the need for certain risk uh, and prevention elements around data and cybersecurity. And so maybe we're at the, the same place again. But I, I noticed it because I because of seeing how some nonprofits were responding. What have you seen in terms of what the nonprofit decision makers have done uh, since then in terms of a response to what exactly happened? So I think a couple of things, you know, certainly a risk reassessment. So, you know, anything like this, unfortunately, makes us all think again that this could happen to anybody at any time. You know, we all work really, really hard to make sure our data is protected and we follow the rules. But these are criminals, right? And they're they're looking for a way into systems all day long. That's their full time career. Um, I, so I think some of that is just making sure we understand that, that the data is secure. Where or managing it. I, I think people are reassessing where they put data and how they share it with third parties. Um, and, you know, there are some people that are looking for other environments that they might feel more comfortable or they can control um, since this has occurred. So I, I think, though, that it does make us aware, again, just like the Target issue, you know, that we're all at risk. You know, giant companies, even Experian has been hacked, Target's been hacked. Um, you know, the Chronicle of Philanthropy was just hacked a few months, uh, you know, recently as well. So, you know, we all can fall um, 
fall to these crimes. So it's a matter of being aware of what you're doing and how you're reacting. And I know Justin's one thing I keep saying, but, you know, in an issue like this, um, your number one asset is reaction time. So, you know, if you can react to it and let your donors or your members, whoever it is, know sooner rather than later, it's going to be your number one asset. Obviously, there's things we can't ever control. Um, but understanding how you communicate with them and let them know, you know, what's happened and, and protecting them is, is really important in a time like this as well. So the and and certainly that time and response it can create uh, reassurance for mm-hmm. many, right? Um, or the opposite, just depending on how that sort of thing plays out. Um, you you touch on this a little bit, but would love for you to to expand. So what should, so we talked about like what, what some nonprofits are doing, what should they be doing? Assuming that some may be taking certain steps and others may be taking another set of steps. What exactly should nonprofits be doing in response to this, whether or not they're, you know, they're a blackboard, uh, you know, user. I don't think that that matters. It's more about what should nonprofits in general be looking at evaluating and learning from what's happened here with blackbot and its customer base to lay out their priorities? What what should be prioritized? Right. So I think number one is to make sure that you have a documented sort of risk assessment plan. So, you know, what does your organization do in the, in the instance of this happens? And does everybody know what that is? And one of the things that caught experience short when they had their um, their hack was that their phone tree was out of date. So you don't think about simple things like this, but making sure you know who's supposed to communicate, when they're supposed to communicate, and can you find everything or everyone, you know, because this could happen at any time. It could happen in the middle of a Saturday night, you know, and suddenly you need to find people. So, you know, and then I think just addressing what happened, you know, making sure that internally and externally, so you've got your donors, your board members, you know, making sure that people understand how it's affected your organization. Um, And then, you know, messaging that reassures donor that you're doing everything to make sure they're protected, that you're you're reacting, you're working with whoever's managing the data and just making sure that, you know, your first response is to protect protect them and any data you might have. Um, And then I think understanding who should be communicating this, right? Because it can also go awry if everybody's trying to communicate at once. You need to make sure you have a central point of communication and, and messaging, right? Um, it's not that anybody would say anything on purpose that would sort of make the message harder to uh, digest in different places, but you really wanna make sure it's a single message, single message point and has been communicated. You know, a lot of during the Blackboard issue, there were a lot of nonprofits that have been, um, you know, the press has talked to them, they wanna know what's going on. There's been some regional press, even in Vermont, where they, you know, went to several organizations and said, you know, what are you doing? And the truth is, I think the press actually helped some of them respond better and with a with a single voice because they got the press cut to them so quickly. But, you know, understanding what that message is and who's allowed to communicate is really, really important. Um, and then I think with that same point, understanding who's going to be fielding questions and making sure they sort of have a message map or an understanding of, you know, how to respond to questions. You know, what are you going to do? You know, what are next steps? You know, is there anything that's going to happen? The other thing around that that we're finding through this is that some donors have been asking to see what information you have in their database. So I think it's also really important to evaluate that. And you know, my 
my rule of thumb is always never keep anything in your database that you wouldn't be willing to share with your donors. I know that makes some people squeam a little bit, but I think it's it's really important. You're not legally responsible to share that information, but it's a trust issue again, right? You have a major donor who wants to know what you have in their system and what you've managed. I think we're seeing um, more and more of that coming out of this um, BlackBot hack. Oh my gosh, they got my information. What is it that they got? So there there is that process happening as well. Um, and then understanding a process as those questions are coming in, right? Where do they go? How are they being managed inside of your organization? If somebody asks, what's your response and how quickly can you respond to them? Um, and, and then lastly, I think, um, you know, making sure you're involved with whoever your cyber insurance uh, firm is or whoever's protecting your data. You also want to make sure that whatever your message is, is not going to put you out of scope of, of what your insurance is. You need to be really careful as you're dealing with the data and the messaging that you're working side by side with them because, you know, they want to make sure that what you're doing is going to, you know, ensure that you're going to continue to be covered and you're communicating what they have also provided for you as well. You know, there, so, there's so that much of that. <laughs> there's, there, there's so much there, Kathy. And there's a lot of it, though. I mean, 80% of what you just shared is the, you know, the basics of crisis communication. Mm -hmm. And sometimes right. it's the basics that are overlooked in terms of having uh, a true assessment of what happened and then being able to establish a point of view and deliver, ideally through a single person, a single message. Like that's, right. you know, kind of crisis communication 101, identifying the person, the channels, who's going to be fielding those questions, what's the process or flow for answering the question. So there's a part of it that's just being a smart communicator. And then there's a part of it that's also backed into, as you started this conversation around data strategy, uh, you know, and, and the trust factor that's indicative of you being a good steward of data. Right. right. So being prepared, right. so to being prepared before knowing that this could always happen. Exactly. That my organization has a, has a plan for what happens should we be hacked. Right. Um, that's something your data, your donors can really appreciate. So if something like this happens, that can be part of your communication. You know, we, we have a plan. Our boards have been involved with the plan, you know, or, you know, we reevaluate it every year to make sure it's true. Um, I think those are all things, you know, that, help your donors think at least you're trying everything you can to protect them. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly in the context of, of everything that we've dealt with in 2020, the now is not the time to be caught without a plan, yeah. right. That, that we can activate. Right. So uh, I, I think that all of those make sense. But then the other thing that I would, I would say or, or, or ask Kathy is that, you know, that this isn't the first time this has happened. We identified that. The, these yeah. things happen and probably happen more frequently than we're comfortable with knowing about. Um, and, and it's not the last time mm -hmm. that it's going to happen. So, you know, here we are in August having this conversation. Uh, many folks are still wrestling with how to navigate current circumstances around, you know, mid or post COVID and how that impacts their business strategy, their operational strategy, their program strategy. Uh, and, and so now you have this element of refreshing your, um, your risk management procedures. What do you think it ultimately means? So if you're sitting across from uh, chief technology officer, chief information officer for 
for a nonprofit, whether or not they're local or regional or national, what would you tell them walking away to do immediately? What's their next best step to get going down the road of being prepared for this? So the number one, I would say, make sure you know where all your data is. And that's a really hard thing for a lot of organizations these days. So we don't, in a lot of cases, know where it all is. You know, understanding, you know, what third-party vendors I use to share data, understanding who keeps names and addresses in Excel, all of those things, because you can't even do a good risk assessment unless you know where all those pieces are. Um, and, you know, I, I know we all trust our employees and our partners, but just making sure that's documented inside of the organization, I'd say, is number one. Yeah. Because, uh, and, yeah. And, and oftentimes that's the most complicated step, right? Like yeah. that first step and identifying, getting your arms around all of the data. But as you said, these assessments and starting there, not only is it, it's not a one-time practice, but but getting it right, the getting it right now yeah. helps us be prepared. And then also helps us get down the path of making it, whether or not that's an annual uh, review and audit or something that's, you know, more frequent so that we can stay on top of these things. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very basic data governance practice that really helps in anything like this, you know, because what you don't want to do is have something like this happen and have somebody else call you and let you know that your data is someplace you didn't even know where it was or was, you know, being able to react quickly doesn't happen if you don't know where the data was, it was attacked. Right. So yeah. You got to find all those places. Yep. Awesome. All right, Kathy, those are incredibly helpful hips and it helps us stay on top of uh, what exactly has happened and then what we should be thinking about going forward. And so thanks for taking some time this afternoon just to walk through that with me. Uh, and, and that way we can help our friends be prepared. And, uh, and so, is, you know, just in, in closing, if someone wants to get in touch with you and figure out you know, if there are ways for them to be better prepared or to map out what a risk management plan would look like or understand their data governance policies, how can someone get in touch with you? Where can they find you? So they can find me at rkdgroup.com and, uh, um, you know, put a contact in through there or can get me personally through cfolks at rkdgroup.com. Um, I'd love to talk to you um, if, if you feel you've got a challenge and you need some help. Awesome. Kathy, you're the best. It's good to see you today. Thanks, Justin. Talk to you later. Talk, talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, so that's the episode with Kathy. And, you know, I, I just, I appreciate her so much for taking the time to chat and, and especially for helping prioritize this conversation because of the importance of good data practices right now. Uh, a 2017 article by the, the Economist pointed to data as being the world's most valuable asset, even more so than oil, right? So, so we know that data is important. We also know that uh, data practices that are lackluster, that are less than best practice, uh, those run rampant in the nonprofit marketing landscape. So, so we know data is valuable and, and it requires good practices and better practices by nonprofits to mitigate risk and ensure trust, certainly right now more than ever. So 
Uh, I appreciate Kathy offering up her insight in that vein. Uh, hey, be sure to throw GroupThinkers a follow. You can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at GroupThinkers. You can also throw RKD Group a follow at RKD Group. And thanks for checking out this episode. We'll, uh, we'll see you down the road. GroupThinkers is a production of RKD Group. For more information, visit rkdgroup.com slash podcast. Special thanks to our production team, including the talented Ryan Mellinger for his work on mixing every episode. Also a shout out to the content team that helps pull together research and guests, but it's the marketing efforts behind Group Thinkers. Suzanne, Ronnie, and others for their work on this and every episode of Group Thinkers.